talk for a few minutes, kind of come up under what God is doing. I love what God is doing here. Talking with Pastor Herbert last night, we just were visiting about what God is doing among the people and reaching this city and the, the vision that God has given, the general, your giving and your, your faithfulness in tithing and, and giving offerings and your heart for others, others. And I just started thinking, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, about what God is doing in the earth today. And one of the things I get to do now is I get to travel to some of our different churches and see God moving. I was in Connecticut several weeks ago. I was in New York City last week at a church. And just seeing God moving in, in some amazing ways and, and how he just is reaching people. And because at the end of the day, God loves people. Jesus died for people, all kinds of people, people that are different than us, people that are like us. And I want to come around that idea of what God is doing today within people's church and all across what God is doing. But then also, I want to kind of use the target or the theme or the statement or the truth around the idea that Jesus is here and anything can happen. When Jesus is in a place and when people are open to him and they've surrendered their life and they're, they're asking for his help and they're, they're leaning into him for his grace and his help, it's amazing how God will do incredible things, even things that are unpredictable, even things that we don't understand, because Jesus is here and anything can happen. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this awesome church. We thank you for our, our pastors and God, how you're using them and refreshing them during this time. And Lord, we just pray today that you would be here and anything could happen. Lord, we, we open up our heart. We don't come to, be, uh, to, to act like as if we're perfect people. Like we've got everything together. Lord, we need you. Lord, some of us had a week this week that was tough, that was challenging. Things happened in our family, different situations. But Lord, we come into this house, whether we're here or watching online. We lean in, Father. We need your help. We need you, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a good amen. Why not you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, look at that other person that was your second choice and tell them, you look like you could use a little church. <laughs> indeed, indeed. A little church. I came to Christ when I was 18 and uh, got involved immediately in a small church and got involved with doing outreach and then made a decision that... I wanted one day to get up and talk to people about Christ. I had no idea what that would look like. And so I went to Bible school. About 21 years old, I was uh, you know, given the opportunity to, to begin to lead youth and students and would get up and share and uh, just have a, a great time. And, and then uh, later on, I did youth camps and youth retreats. And so I'll never forget when I was 23 years old, I'll be 50 in a month from today. It's not a big deal to me, but it is 30 days from now. I'm not worried about it. I can tell you how many hours it is. But I'll turn 50. And so... You know, at 23 years old was the first time I ever got to speak or, or share on a Sunday morning environment. Never had done that before. And a friend of mine that was pastoring a church down in the bayous of Louisiana, down in Homa, Louisiana, man, they're oil workers, shift workers, shrimp boat captains, and crawfishers, and down there by Dulac and Chauvin and, and Blue Bayou, I mean, way down the bayou. And, and he said, will not you come over here? I've done a youth retreat for him. Come over here and preach it for me on a, on a Sunday, Shy. Come on, Shy. Come down here and preach down the bayou. And his name was Pastor Wazan, Wazan, Cajun, Cajun, Cajun. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'll come on a Sunday morning, Sunday morning church. I'd done youth retreats, never had done the big show, if you know what I'm talking about. Sunday morning, had never even been to their church. So I was youth pastoring at a large church like this, an incredible facility. So I ride up and barely find the place. It's like in a subdivision in like a storage unit that was made into a church. And so 
And I was like, okay, this is wild. Okay, must, must open up into a bigger room when I walk in. I walk in, and it's about 20 by 20. Chairs are not in a row. It's a circle of chairs. And they're plastic chairs. You know this kind you get? And, and you, you know, if, people, if you're a medium, those plastic chairs are your friend. But you, when you would exhale or a double X, come on, somebody. Don't be hating on the double X's. You look at that plastic chair, and that plastic chair is looking at you like, that ain't going to happen. Don't bring that over here by me. So it's, plastic chairs in a circle. This is odd, kind of a small group. No band, no pulpit. He says, okay, let's start. Come on, y'all, come, come around. About 15 people. About 20 chairs in a circle. So we just, well, come on, he is the king. Acapella. And I'm like, he is the king of kings. And we're just kind of randomly singing some songs. I think some people singing other songs. It was just, okay. <laughs> Can we clap on beat? What's up with that? It's just first service Sunday morning I'd ever spoken. So we're midway through a song, and I look up, and a lady comes in a little bit later, and she has shrimp boots on. It's all I remember was shrimp boots. I was like, oh, so she's shrimp boot captain. So she, we're about two minutes into a song, Lord, I lift your name on high. Kind of quiet. Now, let me tell you something. When you sing in a crowd, it ain't bad. But when you sing with 10, 15 people, it's embarrassing. They're looking at you. They're right across from you. It's awkward. And some people are singing. Some are not singing. You can't sing too loud. So it's kind of quiet. Lord, I lift your name on high. I'm so glad. She starts crying out loud. Now, again, in a, in a larger group, that can be masked with the volume of the sound. She starts sobbing loud, then goes into hysteric, goes to the ground, and is on the ground weeping. The pastor, I'm kind of looking at the pastor like, do we need to pray? Do we need to stop singing? He's just got his eyes shut. Hoping it will go away. I'm thinking, it's not going away. She is wailing, wailing from a deep place of pain. Finally, I lean over and say, Pastor, should we? He said, you're the guest evangelist. You handle it. I said, Lord God. My first Sunday. I'm like, but this is my first Sunday. There's plastic chairs. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I ease over there and I hear his words. You handle it. Pressure. Everyone's watching. Right when I go to kneel down, my wife is with me. We go to kneel down. It's like the Lord just quickened my heart and said, you won't have to handle it. I've already handled it. I will be handling this today. And I just, with peace, began to pray the name of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And in that deep place of pain and rejection and hurt and sadness, Jesus showed up, began to calm her, began to love her, began to bring a supernatural, unexplainable peace into her deep well of tragedy. 
Later on after church, we began to talk to her. She began to tell us her story of pain, her story of rejection and hurt and loneliness, wound after wound. That God was good to her. Some of the people stayed there and ministered. And, and as we left the building, me and, me and the pastor and his wife, and we were going to go out and eat some crawfish, eat some jambalaya, etouffee. Come on, somebody. He looked at me and he said, man, church was good. Boy, God really moved on. Boy, Lord really did some stuff. I was like, but you, you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Let me just clarify. That was my gold star in heaven. You got a red mark. <laughs> you know? And going to the car, I had this, I said this out loud. I said, thank God Jesus was here because when Jesus is here, anything can happen. And throughout my my ministry life and my my family life and my own personal struggles and challenges, it's interesting how when Jesus is there and you invite him and you surrender and you allow him, it's amazing what he can do because he will do things that are unexplainable. Why? Because he loves people. Jesus loves people so much that he'll just do about anything to reach them, to love them, to heal them. And he did give his life to save them. That's why John 3, 16 means so much to so many people that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We know the rest of the story with the cross and the resurrection and the price that he paid. And I believe because Jesus loves people so much, he wants us to love people. He cares about people. There's a great window in the scripture, Mark chapter seven, that I love that I think kind of gives this truth and tells us exactly the truth of this idea that Jesus is here. I love this scripture, this holy scripture in Mark chapter seven, verse 31. It's an incredible window into the life of Christ reaching people. It said that Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon and came down to the Sea of Galilee. He moved into the region of Decapolis, which was a 10 city region. There, some people brought to him. This happened so many times. People would bring hurting people to Jesus. They brought to him a man who was deaf, I want you to hear this, and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on the man. Jesus, here is this man. He's deaf. He can barely speak. And we would like for you, because we saw this in the other village, we heard about this last month, that you lay hands on people and, and they recover, they, they find their answer, there's a solution, they get healed, they get help. Can you lay your hand, specific instructions, almost like they're telling Jesus the best way to bring him. Isn't it amazing how we can tell God how to help us? Did anybody hear me? We'll give him the recipe. We'll give him the instruction. Lord, this is how you need to do this. This is how you need to work with this problem. And this is how you need to fix this. And this is how you need to answer this. And this is my idea. I think I know best. You ever run into somebody who they have a plan for your life? They want to tell you how to handle your children, how to handle your marriage, how to handle your defeat, how to handle your problem. And, 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 it, and so they're telling you. What I love about Jesus, it's like he kind of ignores them. Look what happens. This is an amazing story. After he heard that, he took the man aside and away. I've got that underlined, aside and away. From the crowd, then look what happens. He begins to work out and process with this man God's love. 
Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. That doesn't sound like what they asked for. Then he spit, spit, and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said, Elphana, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were open and his tongue was loosened. And he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but he did so the more, and he kept talking about it. If you've not been talking, you would talk on and on and on and on. People were overwhelmed with amazement. This is an amazing statement about our Lord and Savior, the one who died for you. He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. I love that story. Can I have an amen for God's word? It's an incredible window that when Jesus is here, anything can happen. I I, I thought about four applications when I read this story. Here's the first one. The first thing that I pull out of here is that faith happens. There's this expectation that happens. It's an environment of expectation. I, I love that about people's church. When you come here, there's an expectation of love and acceptance and, and value. And there's an expectation that people matter and kids matter and young people matter and singles matter and single again matters and, and men and women and seniors and grandparents. Everybody, there's an expectation of faith and, and there's an expectation that God can do something in your life. Our worship leader was building an expectation of faith. Our host in the foyer, those who who serve on campus in the parking lot and and across church life, there's an expectation that God could do something in your life if you lean into him. You ever been around someone who who has been through something and you may be going through something and you're telling them your problem? Oh yes, I know. Oh yeah. But baby, let me tell you something. You get through it. How can can they be so, so sure? Because they got through something. There's an expectation. Don't you love talking to somebody who is a, a get-through-it kind of person? You don't, oh, let me tell you what I went through. And I, 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 if, if I went through it, you can make it. And, and it's good to be around a faith expectation. I think giving is an expectation of faith. When you, when you give your tithe, when you, when you sow an offering, when you sacrifice, it's, it, it builds an expectation that God is my source and God knows what I'm dealing with and he knows I need new tires on my car. He knows that the washing machine is broken. He knows that tuition is due. Come on, somebody. There's an expectation of faith that begins to build. When Jesus is here, it it just helps you realize you and I are not alone. We are not alone. Faith happens. Here's the second thing that happens when I read this story is that love happens. I think it's amazing that Jesus pulls him aside in a way. It's almost like it's personal treatment. It's private love and work. You know when you go to the doctor, when you walk in, you're in a waiting room. And everybody's in there together. But when you go back to be diagnosed or to tell them your problem, you go to an examination room. And in the examination room, it's you and your doctor. You and your daughter and your doctor. You and your husband. The doctor doesn't come out in the waiting room and say, what's wrong with you? Well, can we go? No, just tell me in front of everybody. What's wrong? Well, I got a fungus. A fungus? People start running all out the way. Oh, Lord, how am I say? You're in a private room. It's privacy. It's personal care. I would not go see a doctor that talks to me out in the waiting room with everybody. Hey, let me tell you, I'm going to give you some medicine for your fungus. 
Jesus loves this man so much. He spares him the embarrassment because the man's not a sideshow. This is not a circus. Even though the people say, just lay hands on him. Jesus pulls him aside, says he goes away from the crowd and he ministers to that man. Hear this church, hear this mom, hear this dad, hear this college student. He ministers to him one on one. That's our savior. I grew up with a speech problem, stuttered throughout my teenage years and late in my teenage years, just got beyond that, had speech therapy through my years. Uh, I never imagined I would be standing and talking to people, just God Almighty, Jesus is here, anything can happen. And so I struggled where there were several years in speech therapy that the speech therapist trying to build my confidence instructed my parents, do not let him give oral reports. It's not going to help his confidence right now. So one of my teachers had the idea that she was going to do it in spite of what my mama said. So she decided to force me to do an oral report. And I remember standing in front of that classroom stuttering and, and saying wrong, words wrong and having a speech problem and the kids laughing and making fun of me. Let me tell you something. When I got home, my mama came to the school, didn't go by the principal's office, didn't check in, rolled up in the school with curlers in her hair. Don't mess with a woman that's got curlers in her hair. She will hurt you. She got up all in that teacher's stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. Curlers. I, I mean, I, my, so I was in the hallway. Somebody said, look at that woman with curlers in her hair. I, it's my mom. I said, I don't know her. <laughs> she wanted to spare me the embarrassment. Our Savior loves you that much. He loves you that much. You're that important to him. I mean, the third thing that happens here in the story that I love is spit happens. I said spit. You better be careful of that word. Spit happens. So the most odd thing. So out of the box. Why did Jesus do that? Why did our Savior, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star, our Jesus, why would he do something like that? We don't completely understand. We don't understand why God does the things he does. We don't understand the timing of God, the, the details of God. We, we want to tell God how to help us. We want to tell God, why aren't you fixing this? Why aren't you? We don't understand all the timings and workings of God. But guess what? When we don't understand, we trust him. When we go into areas that are unknown, we trust him. When things don't make sense, what do we do? We trust him. And he does this process. He puts his fingers in his ear. I read an old commentary on this. And they gave the They said fingers in the ear meant that you can't heal me. You can't hear me, but you can feel me. It's almost like Jesus was meeting him at the point of his need. Almost like sign language. That he was meeting him at the point of his need. And then he spit on his finger and touched his tongue. Almost to connect life. Then it said he looked up to heaven. Because our help comes from above. And that this is an amazing thought about our Savior. Don't miss this. It said he sighed deeply. Because <sighs> I believe at that point, our Savior knows everything about our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He saw that this young man had struggled and, and what it was like to communicate as he was growing up and what it was like to go into the, to the village and what it was like to try to communicate for work and, and, and his family and all these things. He saw the pain and that, that deep well of compassion just sprang on. Why? Because he is a sympathizing Savior. He is touched 
with the feeling of our infirmity. We have a high preach, the priest that what touches us touches him. And then the last thing about this amazing window is hope happens. Jesus just speaks life and says, be open. And this man, boom, he begins to hear voices. He's not heard voices. He's not heard the chatter of children in the street. He's not heard his family at night say goodnight to one another. He, he's not heard the dealings of, of the business and the vocation. He's not heard the birds chirp at night or, or the thunder in the morning or, or, or any of the, He's not heard any of that. He's been alone in a, in a silent world. His world has been on mute and all of a sudden God Almighty because of his love and his grace and his mercy unmutes that man's world and he hears voices. The Bible says he begins to talk and he doesn't stop talking. You know how when, when our kids are growing up, you just wish, I just can't wait to the day they can't, where they can talk. And then they start talking and then you say, can you please be quiet? You know, I just can't wait to the day they just ask me questions. And after question 100, you're like, okay, can we, can we give it a rest? This man starts talking and doesn't stop. And the people are amazed and they say this about our Savior. They say this about the one who loves you and died for you and gave his life for our sins. They say this, he has made everything well. He makes those who cannot hear, hear. Can I have a good amen? He makes those who cannot speak, speak. He makes those that are dead, alive. He makes those that are sick, well. He makes those that are hurt, healed. He makes those that are wounded, all of a sudden experience encouragement. He makes all things well. And he does it his way in his time. Why? Because when Jesus is here, anything can happen. And it's the same today. This is not a book about what our Savior used to do. It's a book about our Savior, what our Savior can do. It's not stories of how he used to move. It's stories about how he still moves. It's, it's hope for today. It's love for today. It's grace for today. It's faith for today. It's unusual, unpredictable for today. Because God loves about, he loves people and will do almost anything he can to reach people, give his life for it. I remember we started our church. We were just, we were so young. I was 27 years old. My wife was 23. We were babies. We planted this church in, in South Louisiana and we started on a Wednesday night. We didn't know any, we were youth guys, so we didn't, youth pastors do everything on Wednesday night. So we launched this church on a Wednesday night, and I preached my first message to the church. I was 27 years old, and I, I talked real fast. If you think I talk fast now, you'd have thought I was an, uh, you know, an auctioner. Those days. Speed talking. Just talk, 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 talk. I preached my first sermon to our church we planted, and it was, I, I preached it in 10 minutes. The whole sermon in 10 minutes. I looked at about 20 minutes left. Just re-preached it two more times. Come on. <laughs> Rewind that thing. We began to reach people and begin to grow, and I began to pastor and, and would do all my churchy duties on Monday, get done about three, be done for the week, count the offering, clean the church, cut the grass, make the visits, call the widows, check on everything. Started one around, there's got to be something else to do. I love people. We got to reach people. So uh, someone called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, we, we need to get married and don't have a pastor to marry us. We're not in church. I was like, hmm, I'd always been taught if they're not in church, you can't marry them. Uh, I started thinking, you know, I don't know if Jesus would do that. I think Jesus would, would reach and love these people. Maybe give them an opportunity to share the gospel. So, so once you come in, I'll, I'll do some pre-marriage counseling with you. 
For, we'll, we'll spend two or three hours together and then we'll see if I can marry you. And, and I, I didn't know much about marriage. I'd only been married like three or four years. So, you know, I told him everything I knew about marriage in like five minutes. Hey, you know, just tell her you're sorry. <laughs> tell her you're sorry and buy her something. <laughs> and then I didn't know what else to talk about. So I spent two and a half hours talking about Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Because here's what I figured. If they'll fall in love with Jesus, oh man, the marriage may work out. So we, I started, well, they told another person, told another person. I, was, I started marrying, I started seeing more people at the end of every pre-marriage counseling. I would ask them, would you like to receive Christ today? Would you like for me to lead you in prayer? And you say yes to Jesus. I started seeing more people come to Christ through pre-marriage counseling than I was on Sunday. So I got so fired. I was marrying everybody. It was free. We'd give our church for free. Just reaching people in those early days of the church. And, and so one day a lady calls, a girl calls my wife. They were friends, grew up together. She said, we're not in church. And matter of fact, I'm backslidden. I, I don't serve God. That's a term that means you've fallen away from God. I'm not serving God. I've not been in church for years. But I met a guy. We're in love. Plays football at LSU. Would you, would you think Dina would marry us? I've called two other pastors. He's my third choice. Dylan, you're the third choice. Awesome. They come in that night. She walks in. He walks in behind her. Huge. 6'6", 310. Center for LSU. Massive. And he, Hawaiian. Angry. I go through three hours. She's weeping at the end. She, I said, Tracy, would you like to receive Christ? Yes, yes. I said, Kevin, would you like to receive Christ? Nope. Would you like to pray with me to receive Jesus? No, thank you. Can you bow your head and nod? Can you give me something? No. He said, I'm not interested. Are you still going to marry me? Well, it's like that. Okay, yeah, I'll marry you. But I want you to know God loves you. He cares about you. We, we do the wedding. Kevin gets drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, goes on to play. One day on a Sunday like this, I'm giving, closing the service. I look up, Kevin's in the back, can't miss him, he's huge. He walks up to the front. The shadow envelops the stage. He eclipses all lighting <laughs> in the universe. And I am in his shadow. And he's, he says, I need to talk to you right now. Man that big, you say, yes, sir. <laughs> I left stage. Later on, we talked and met, and we, we, we didn't have anywhere to go. We go and he's, he's emotional. He's a big man. He's emotional. We go into a little children's room where they have small children's tables and children's chairs, and we're sitting in them. He begins to talk to me about his brother dying, his wife having postpartum, his anger. He's asking me questions. I try to answer them. Eventually, I say, Kevin, I, I, I don't have any answers. I just know Jesus loves you. He begins to weep, sobbing. I reach over, take him by both hands. Would you like to receive Christ? He said, yes, I would. We pray the sinner's prayer. We pray a prayer to receive Christ. He is sobbing uncontrollably. We stand up. He hugs me, weeping. I begin to weep because I think he's going to kill me. <laughs> oh, God, let me go. Let me go. Kevin goes on to play for the New York Jets. Kevin goes on to play for the Tennessee Titans. All pro, nine years in a row. One of the greatest centers to play football. 
he uses that as an opportunity because later on he gets elected as the president of the NFL Players Union. And as the collective bargaining goes, he stands in front of reporters, USA Today, for months on end, had his pictures, Washington, New York, before Congress Every time he gives his testimony about Christ. You know where probably he's at today? He's probably in a church. He travels the country speaking in churches and to colleges and to professionals. What? About how Jesus Christ changed his life. Why? I tell that story. Because you just never know. Jesus loves people. He loves you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know your pain. I don't know your struggle. I don't know your hurt. God does. I don't know your anger, I don't know your doubt, I don't know your questions, but God does. And he loves you, he cares about you. And he's in this house, and he's in this church, and anything can happen.